there is every year a Hanukkah party in the White House. Now, when I say the White House, I don't mean the apartment block, the apartments on the corner of Maple and Central over here. <laughs> but in fact, there is a, um, a, a Hanukkah party in the White House in D.C. And um, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, until just about a week and a half ago, they were still taking suggestions as to a historic, memorable type of menorah that they use. Every year they try to, they try to find a unique menorah. They had one a few years ago that was that it survived one of the, I think, Katrina. There was a, there was a number of different uh, menorahs, that, one which, uh, which came from Europe. There was a lot of very fascinating uh, menorahs that they've used. Last year they used a more political one, which was from a school, a mixed Arab-Israeli school in Israel, which was, which was arsoned by Jewish terrorists. And so they used that as the menorah to, to talk about coexistence. <coughs> Um, but be it as it may, every year they have a, uh, they have a unique, uh, unique menorah and they have a Hanukkah party. And, the, and on the White House blog they have uh, a description of this every year and who the people are who are lighting it. And it's a very, it's a, it's, it sounds like a, a very on, honorable and very interesting occasion. So the question would be is the following. Is you, get up a, you get a call tomorrow and, um, and, the, and on the line it says, you know, I, ha- I have the president on the line. And he says, you know, I'd like it to be that, you know, we've been thinking very carefully about who's going to be the, the person to say the brachos. And we decided that you, as an upstanding citizen of the United States, who've been very supportive of my government, I am, is going to be the person who's going to be lighting. <laughs> is going to be, I would like to honor you with the bracha of, um, of, of saying the bracha in the White House. And the question is, is can you say a bracha in the White House? Can you say a bracha in the, uh, in the Hanukkah party, which it goes on in the White House? I mean, you're lighting Hanukkah candles. Let's say it's around the right time. It's past dark, which is most likely to happen because it's, the days are very early. So would you be able to say, would you be able to light that menorah with a bracha? Sounds like, sounds like a trivial question. In either direction, perhaps. You may, you may have feelings in either direction. But this is actually a very interesting question because it is really a, a, uh, a crux question, which allows us an inroad into... Um, the understandings or the dynamics of the menorah itself, of, of the Hanukkah itself. Because generally, 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 the, the Gomorrah tells us that the only place we're allowed to light the menorah is... Right? And the Gomorrah says on, Sha- on Shabbos, Chof Aleph Mubez, as Saul points out, as Ner Ish Uvesai. It's each person for their house. Each person needs to light on the behalf of their house. And that, in fact, is all the Gomorrah says. In the very short amount of Gomorrah that we have on, uh, on, on Hanukkah, those, those, those uh, three blat in Shabbos and the Mishnah here and there, which is merames to what's going on, we have very little to do, uh, very little more than that. And that's where the Gomorrah stops. However, if you trace down through the medieval commentators, through Rishonim, you see that there's an, another custom is forming. A very interesting custom, which is actually a custom under dispute. And that is, is that we see an example of where we light the Chanukiah outside of the confines of our house. And that is... In the shul, right? Our menorah is right over here. It's going to be lit this evening. Is, um, and that's not mentioned in the Gemara at all. The Gemara never talks about lighting a Chanukiah in the shul. But we see a minag which develops, not clear where it started. It seems to be Europe is the, is the general area. But it's commented on by all the Rishonim. The way that the Shulchan Aruch paskins it, this is in Source 1, Shulchan Aruch in Tafresh Ein Aleph. And Sif Zayin says the following, And in the shul, You place it on the southern wall, And um, 
and you, and you set them up from east to west, we're going to get to the direction a little later, and we lied in the shul because of Pirsum publicizing that miracle. Great, great. So if we just stop, let's uh, you see, if we just stop at the, over here, then you may argue that therefore if the only variable in this equation is Pirsum then we should say, well, let's try to expand Pirsomenisa to the greatest place possible. Now, the re- I'm actually starting backwards. So, so what I'm, try- I'm trying to work out is, yeah, I, I, we're learning the Halacha, so you open up a Shulchan Aruch. But, you see, unless you have the predecessors, the, 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 the flows, the different minhagim which led to Shulchan Aruch, we don't necessarily fully have a grasp on the dynamics of this and therefore the application of it. So that's what I want to do is I want to start backwards and move and move reverse now as to where this minag originates and with that with that DNA of the minag then to therefore see how applicable it is elsewhere within your logic. The Ramot tells us that even if you say Amen this evening when you hear the menorah you still go home and say Abracha. You once again light in your house. The minag is to do it between mincha and mariv. Okay, next, next Friday we're going to do it before mincha. Concerns of Shabbos, getting too close to Shabbos. You can do it that you light one before mincha and the rest are as the Shlech Tzibur is going through the rest of it. Okay, that's, uh, that, that's what the Shulchan Aruch says. So that is where Halacha arrives at. But where did it start from? So where did it start from? And the more we can understand where it starts from, the more we will understand if it is possible to apply that to any other circumstances beyond the house. Because this is our only example or model of something which is beyond the house. So let's, let's start over here. The earliest place that I was able to trace back to and I was able to find talking about this is in, the, in a book called the Sefer Hamanig. The Sefer Hamanig is written by Rav Avram ben Natan of Lunil. And um, interestingly enough, he did a lot of traveling in his life. As you can see in the, in the bio over here, he spent a lot of time, he, he traveled through France and, and ended up living in Spain, but he went through Germany. He spent a lot of time traveling and he wrote this book um, ba- uh, based on a number of his responses and his experiences as he went through these different communities. So um, we're talking about the end of the 12th century here, so 1155 to 1215, and um, living around about exactly the same time as the Rambam, actually. And he says the following, <coughs> He says that, I've heard, he's obviously responding to a minag he's noticed when traveling Europe, that people are starting to light in the shuls, and he says, I don't think that that's a responsible custom. You should only light in a place where people are actually living. Um, that Gomorrah says that you need to have the mezuzah on the one hand and the chanuki on the other side. Implications, by the way, are that in a shul, there might not be a mezuzah. Okay, now this is, this is just interesting, interesting point. There's a whole other discussion in halacha whether there's a chi of mezuzah on a shul. He's assuming that there's no... The, 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 there's no in this case. Rebeis like Nez is part of a mezuzah. Karamino beper kamen to yuma. Unless the shul comes with a house for the shamas, right? The shamas lives in the basement or the attic. Some of these old shuls, they do have this, right? They have a nice apartment, uh, apartment upstairs or downstairs. 
In fact, there's a few of the older shuls in Manhattan, if you go to and you ask about them upstairs, there's, a, there's usually an apartment for the rabbi or the chazan or whoever else it is, the balkore in my day. Um, he says, but if the reason why this must have originated was because this is the closest we're getting to the base of Mikdash. Meaning, where did the miracle take place in, the, in, the, in, in its origin? Was in fact in the base of Mikdash. So we, in our little way, how are we doing this? We're, so to speak, taking our Mikdash Ma'at in the Gola, and we're using that as our, as our Pir Samanais, as publicizing the miracle in that case. Isn't that fascinating? <coughs> so he says, I don't think it's a good thing to do, but I'll tell you where I think it comes from. It must be based on the Mikdash. That's what the, the, the Sefer Amanik says. And this is based on his travels throughout Europe. Very, very early, one of the earliest places we've seen this Minag arriving. Now, we, let's follow the strand through the Rishonim, because interestingly enough, each time it's quoted, they quote it with a very different... A very different uh, um, feeling or um, understanding. The next is the Shibola Aleket. The Shibola Aleket, just a little later, so he's living in the 1200s, um, and um, he, uh, he actually spent his life in Rome and um, learned a lot under the German and, and French scholars. He, um, he has a, uh, a safe which is actually very, very often quoted by the Beis Yosef in the Shulchan Aruch, and he says the following, Kosov Bal Hadibrois Zal, not sure who that is, so he says there are places who light in shuls, and some people even put it by the entrance of the shuls. That's not our practice today. He says some people put it in the middle of the shul, like we do. He says, I don't know where this came from. Right? Meaning, if we open the Gemara like the Shibbal Alekha did, there's no indication that there should be anything outside of your house. So my teacher would actually, uh, my, my teacher, Rabbi Yehuda, would not say a bracha on the candles in Shul. He didn't feel that that, that uh, minag warranted a blessing. Seeing as you're going to say a bracha at home, there should be no reason to light in the shul unless, he says, So he says, if you have guests in the shul, now remember, in those days, the shul sometimes um, actually acted as a place for people to sleep. In the back benches, people would sometimes, people passing through town, when that would be the place that they would actually have this to sleep. There was no, no motel sixes, there was nothing else happening. So they, this is where they would actually spend the night. In that case, says the Shebaal Eleket, one can light. Why could one light? Because the shul's acting as their apartment, essentially, for the night. And they have a chiyu of avadlaka. They don't have anywhere else to, to light because they don't have anywhere else to stay. So in that case, they should light. But should there not be guests, he believes that there's no point in the minak because all of us who are going home afterwards and lighting in our houses have no reason to rely on the, 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 that, in, that which is in shul. And there's no other foundation for lighting in the shul, says the Shibola Leket. So what we, interesting thing we're seeing from both the Sefer Adamanik and the Shibola Leket is, is that in the early 1200s, was this an established minag? Not, not clear. Meaning they're, they're, they're questioning it. They're seeing it and they're commenting on it, but they don't believe that this, this, they're concerned about whether one can do it or whether even if one's doing it, one says a brach on it. This is an important point as to like the development of minagim as we're watching over here. 
However, if you move a little later in history, you already see that it now becomes much more accepted. This is the tshuva of the rivash, and the rivash over here has, is actually very fundamental in um, application to today. He says something which is quite remarkable. The rivash is, um, started off in Barcelona and had to flee the um, Jewish communities in, um, in, um, in Spain and moved to Algiers. So he, he headed south across the sea and became the chief rabbi in the rabbinic court there. So um, it, uh, the Rivash is responding to a tshuva about right, uh, lighting in the shul, and the person who's questioning him asks, well, isn't it a bracha labatola? How can you say this bracha? And this is his response. He says the following tshuva in the second paragraph. It is an ancient custom. So he's saying it dates back much before my time. And the reason is, is the underlying principle is, is publicizing the nace. Are we really fulfilling the mitzvah as the Gemara says it? We're not. We don't put our ma'achanokias on the whole. Outside of Israel, um, as a community, we don't put our menorahs by our Pesach, by the entrance of our house, like the Gemara tells us to. So seeing as we don't do that to its, we'll call it, grade A performance, Kiddistan Bahi Degamal Ton Pishton, actually it's a mission in Babakama actually, that talks about when a camel's walking through the public domain and it's carrying flax and it passes by a menorah and uh, lights up and who's responsible for the damages, one of the few places that Hanukkah is mentioned in the Mishnah, um, in, uh, the end of the parak there in Babakama. Um, so he points out that where is the Hanukkah clearly? The Hanukkah is, at the time of the Mishnah, by the door, or hanging out right outside. So that's how the camel can bump into it. He says, Since we are living in a, a, a state where the nations are very uh, strongly against us. Remember, he's speaking from experience, right? So he's the one who fled the Muslims in Spain. Right? So seeing as we're living in such a circumstance, we cannot fulfill the mitzvah as appropriately. We light on the inside of our houses. And therefore, the publicizing of the miracle takes on an internal meaning. Right? Who's the people we're publicizing it to? Is mom, dad, grandpa, and, uh, and the kids. So therefore, the pirsuminissa is now much more, much more uh, uh, um, nuclear Public, uh, public uh, publicity. So what happens? Where did the minak develop? The shul became the expression of the pirsum inissa, which was no longer available. Isn't that interesting? The shul's minak developed as the Hanukkah receded from the door to the, to, the, to the window, or actually in his days, not by the window yet, because that's still dangerous. As it recedes inwards, we see the emergence of the menorah in the, in the shul. Fascinating. Fascinating minag. He says, generally speaking, if you have a minag, you don't say bracha on a minag as if it's a real mitzvah. Right? This is only a, there's only a practice at this point in time. He says, nonetheless, that's only by a lightweight minag. Like the minag that we have today to hold the, the arava and to beat. We don't say bracha on that. It's such a public expression of what Hanukkah is supposed to mean that of course there's a bracha on it. It's, it's, it's a replica of what should have been. Unbelievable. And even though it's a minag on the halal of Rosh Chodesh. Unbelievable. Do you see what, what, what the Rivash is saying? What a, 
unbelievable historic insight that Rivash is adding. Very different, because let's, re- let's recap for a second. Manning had said that it's, uh, it's only a function of, it's sort of reconducting the miracle that occurred in the Mikdash. The, whereas the Shibuya Leka says, if it is a custom, it's because of the guests sleeping on the back bench. The Rivash has got a whole new way of looking at it. The Rivash is saying, no, this is, this is in fact filling the void. Yes, Sarah. Good. Good. He's saying it has nothing to do with how many people, it has to do with the publicality of I, I agree with you, Ira, because, you know, speaking, if you're going to speak in sets, like, you know, sets of people, the set of people who are in the shul almost exclusively will be lighting at home, right? But nonetheless, the fact that they're all in one place and they're all singing and they're all lighting it, nonetheless, is more of of a, a pure suminissa. So your, your, your point is, is well taken, that pure suminissa isn't necessarily about the sheer numbers, but about perhaps the wow of the occasion. Okay, that, that, that must be what, he, what he's saying. Because okay, he's not addressing the guest issue. He's not saying that the people are not lighting. He's just saying that the publicity of here. Very fascinating point, and I agree with that, which is a good point to keep in mind when we're trying to sort of ex, um, express this revash elsewhere, outside of the shul. We have one or two other wrinkles in this. One or two other wrinkles, and then let's, and let's pull this to full, full closure. The Sefer Kolboy, which is again a little later, we're in the 1300s now. This is Rav Aaron ben Yaakov HaKohen in Narbonne, France. Points out a little bit, it's, it might be a, a, a little bit of a uh, conglomeration of what we've seen up to now, but the way he, he suggests it is the following. So he suggests two things. Number one is that we're doing it in shul for who, on whose behalf? On the people who don't necessarily do it themselves, who doesn't, who don't, who, who's uh, not, not, who's not either um, conscientious enough to do it themselves, or is not, or is not necessarily well versed enough to do it themselves. Which, unfortunately, Bedareno, think about it. Four fifths of the Jewish people are such. I know. I mean, uh, it's it's it, 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 that might not be a, that might be a, a miscalculation because Hanukkah is a very very public part of Judaism. But certainly, a large fragment of the Jewish people um, today are not lighting or not necessarily in the correct way. And so he says that why we're we doing it in the shul is on their behalf. Very different. Very different perspective. What was that? I don't know. It's the good question. It sounds like Kiddush on Friday night. It's a good question of whether they're in shul or not. I'm not sure. I would assume the Kolbo is assuming they are in shul, but they perhaps don't have the necessary wherewithal to be able to do it. Which is a little. It doesn't relate exactly to our situation because, unfortunately, our shuls are very nuclear. We have the people we like, and we stick with the people we like. And, it's, and the people who aren't doing things aren't necessarily. We are, so it's not clear to me on that exactly point. On that exact point, I want to just get a little, cover a little bit of ground just before before addressing some of the questions. That's all right. Um, and he does circle back to Pirsom Anais, but he doesn't explain. I would assume that he's going in the direction of the Rivash, which is that it's a greater Pirsom Anais in the shul when we when we have a, a lacking. Is Irmoshes can we hold for just a moment? Um, so that's what the Kolbeis says. This, this is really the end of the era of the Rishonim. And that transmuted, that translated into the Shulchan Aruch when the Shulchan Aruch says his ruling based on all these different, on all these different tracks. 
post the Shulchan Aruch, we have one extra reasoning, which is a little bit different and unique, and that is the Bir HaGra, the Vilna Gaon. Now, already in the 1700s, but he adds in something which wasn't said up till now. See, in his very, very terse comments, see if there's a way we can actually understand what he's saying. He says, again, this is his, his note on Shulchan Aruch, and he says, Madlekin, this is in Source 7. Raya mihalel belele psachim, shiniskan al akois v'omrim v'besak nesas mishum pirsum inisa. What is he saying? What is he saying? So, but, but let's look at his example. So he's saying that there's halal in Lele Psachim, that we say it on our kois, meaning where is he referring to? At the Seder, right? So at our personal Seder, we're saying the halal with the kois, and nonetheless, we still say it in the shul, Mishum Pirsa So look at his model. You see that even though there's a practice which is actually in the house, that practice overflows to the shul with the bracha. And that's what the Vulnagoyan is saying of Yam. You see a later developed minag which still necessitates a bracha in the context of shul. That's what the Vulnagoyan says. Now, folks, let's, 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 let's think about this for a moment. Examining what we have up till now, so how would that translate into public places? So let's say you have a, a, a wedding, right? There are weddings on Hanukkah. Let's say you have a, a party, a Hanukkah party. Let's say you're in a stadium. Let's say you're in the White House now. So based on the reasonings that we've had, what would translate? What would possibly translate? Let's go one by one. Okay, so according to the Sefer Amanik, the Sefer Amanik said the reason for this minag is, is because, because of the Mikdash Ma'at. So according to the Sefer Amanik's uh, understanding of this minag, there would be no translation because it's only a function of shul because that's approximating what was in the best of Mikdash. According to the Shibol Leket, the Shibol Leket's understanding was because it was a function of of the guests and perhaps on their behalf. So in this case over here, I would doubt it would be li- likely because unless, unless the president is allowing you to sleep in the White House, unless, unless you have people staying over in the stadium, unless you have people staying over in the stadium or sleeping there, that's not going to necessitate a bracha necessarily if you're outside the context of the shul. Now we move on to the Rivash. According to the Rivash, maybe we might have, we might have, we might have some ground to work with. Because the Rivash is saying that in the absence of the public display outside our houses, now for therefore what takes its place is the shul. So you might be able to argue that, well, what could be greater, what could be a greater venue of Pirsumanes perhaps than, let's say, a ball game? Or at the White House, which is going to be broadcast, or is at least going to be on the blog, or is going to be in the news. So what could be a better form of Pirsumanes? And the Rivash, in no uncertain terms, was saying, and you do say a bracha because this is not a minag kal, like our Rav Aizhi said. This is a minag, it's a minag chashuv, it's a very strong minag, so they would necessitate a bracha. Maybe the rivash is grounds to go with. Um, the call boy, again, is not clear because referring to the people who don't know or don't have the wherewithal, it's not clear if they're in, their, in the presence or they're right there in the shul or not. A little, a little less clear. According to the Vilnagon, you may also have more grounds to work with because when you ha- even though you're doing your own pure samanais at your seder, nonetheless, it flows over elsewhere. So maybe the elsewhere doesn't have to necessarily be a shul. And that's the discussion that the boys can, the boys can start dealing with. This, by the way, is um, just to see, when you read a Shulchan Aruch, it's very hard to know necessarily you know, whether you can extrapolate from that Shulchan Aruch unless you really have the flow up till now. So this is the flow up to now. This is, this is the applications. Interestingly enough, just as a side note, before we move on from shul, the Trumas Adeshen is asked the question. Actually, he asks his own questions. The Trumas Adeshen, um, Rav Isserlin, 
um, Rabbi Yisrael Isserlin actually formatted his book, the Trumas Adeshen. He created the questions because he wanted he formed it in, in, as as responsive, but he wanted to get he wanted to tell us the specific answers. So he's, he asks the, the question is is where, which direction do we light the neiros in the in the in the shul? Do we light it facing the aron? Do we light it parallel to the aron? Um, and he says it's based on the machlokes and menachos about in fact how the menorah would stand in the base of mikdash. And it's and he and he points out that the different minhagim and nara nara pashta that each minhag has its validity. And um, he co- comments on different communities that he saw doing differently. But in the end of the day, where the, the, the Trumas Adeshin, the placement of the, the Chanukki and the Shul, is falling very much under the rubric of the Sefer Manig, who's saying that being as our Shul is a Migdash Ma'at, so therefore the pattern or the way that we do it is going to actually be formatted based on the base of the Migdash. So interesting, the placement reverts back to that original Sefer Manig. And now coming back to our case over here, the application in, in public. A cartel. Every year at the cartel, there is a public lighting, and yes, there is. There is a bracha. Yalkut Yosef. This is the son of Rabbi Yadi Yosef quoting his halachas. Says the following: But cartel amaravi haminaga pashut shemavarchim umadlikim neres chanukah bebracha bein minchalamariv v'yesh bedavar pusumenisa. He says it is absolutely clear that at the cartel, one says that it says it says a bracha on the candles, and um, it is there's, there's no greater pusumenisa. However, why is it not like a shul? Yeah. Oh, so oh, good, good. It's like a shul in the sense that we have a minion there. It's not like a shul in the sense that it is a uh, actually a enclosure or a or the regular way that we look at a shul. There is the underneath part, but nonetheless, it's the, it's an easier application to apply. However, if anybody remembers, last year there was a Nets game on Hanukkah. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. And at half time, uh, the basketball on the menorah. Remember, I actually found a picture of it. The basketball. Who was there? Danny, you were there at the game. Um, um, and and they, they had a, they had a nice half time break and there was a big there was a big hadlaka and they and they did it with a bracha right, right. Yeah. so um, at the next game now that's that's incredible pirsomenista so what about those kind of those kind of places it's a little little more distant from a shul right <laughs> as yeah. what was that as close as we could get to to. Elliot. <laughs> good. Yeah, when, when, what Elliot's bringing up is a very good point, and that is, is that, um, is that when, when we're in the middle of this, con- this conversation, we're talking about Pirsumanissa as if it's a blanket concept. But it is important to realize that we need to think about who the audience is. So when we're doing it today inside our houses, it's clear that the audience is our family, right, which is certainly Jewish. But the question is, is, in the days that it was at the Pesach, what, who was the Pirsum Hanes too? So you see, you see different, uh, different strands in the Rishonim and talk about this. But I would like to point out one thing. And that is, is that, that when, when describing the Shi'ur of the Zman for the, that the Hanukkah candles are supposed to, uh, to be uh, lit for, the Gemara tells us, Adetichla regla de Tarmudai. Until the, 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 the feet of the last people in the marketplace were, were gone. Who were the Tarmudai? Rashi on the Gomorrah explains that they were non-Jewish people who would be collecting the last twigs at the end of the marketplace, meaning they would collect the last twigs that were left over from the marketplace and they use them as firewoods. So already you do see that there is a discussion, and I believe that it's a bigger perspective of, of Pierce Savanais. And um, so I, I, totally, I totally agree with that, and I think that, that even the Maccabees video has a, has a keel of some, some form of that, yes. Wouldn't that affect like, with the White House? Yes. Right, writing, he's not going to leave till one o'clock in the morning, two in the morning. He's going back to his own apartment. He's by himself. He flew out by himself. He's not having his wife fly at home. It's after the time. 
Correct. Yeah, so no, it's, it's a little more complicated for him. For right. him, him as a person, not so simple because, you know, you're right, he's going to be there la- late. But still, 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 we pass in that unless you're actually sleeping in the place, you light at home. And if and you only light at home with a brocha, there's somebody awake. So it could be a complicated case for that person unless they're going to have somebody do it for them or that their wife's awake or there's something the family's awake when they come home. So not so posh it. Not so posh it. Let's, let's, get, let's get a little further, folks. I want to just get a little further because there's a little bit more I want to, uh, ground I want to cover in the most contemporary post game. <laughs> okay, so the, the, what, what you'll find in the more contemporary poskim is that the predominant view is that of what we're about to see, which is the Tzitzeliezer and Rav Sternbach. The Tzitzeliezer, Rav Voldenberg, um, passed away just recently, says that uh, he asked, he's asked the question if you're allowed to, uh, to do, say it at a uh, misiba, at a party. And in the second paragraph of Sosnan, he says, <coughs> You don't say a bracha. Upuk chazi kamo di... Um, um, Look how many inks were spilled, ink, um, 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 ink wells were spilled trying to understand the minag of saying the bracha in shul in the first place. He says, you'll see, and we noticed some of them ourselves, some of the early Rishonim were concerned about even saying a bracha in the shul. So therefore he says, you yan b'sefer orchos chaim, and he goes and he brings the shivol aleket and the shud rivash and the bika yosef and the, the shud maram shik and the shud um, hisoyrus tshuva and the oid yayin sham. Al kain baror upashut adavar shein v'koychenu lahoysef oid ulahanigul hadlik alvarich alakus nerechanik b'misibos. He says, if we see that, that it, we're so hard pressed in the first place to get to allow a bracha even in shul, who are we who are going to now say, okay, at any Hanukkah party suddenly, we can say a bracha on it, says Rav Oldenburg. And, he, and listen to his sharp language. He says, Wow. A person who says such a bracha, it is in vain. Wow. And if you don't, you're getting schar or not doing it. So he is very sharp about this because he feels that, the, that we view Pirsumanis as not a blanket concept. Pirsuma Nisa, you, 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 there, there, there's, there's parameters, there's guidelines, and we, we struggle to find the guideline allowing the one in the shul. But more than that, I, he says, I'd be very careful. Similarly, in the, in the Chiva of um, the Chiva Sainagos, Rav Moshe Sternbach, he also says, he quotes, he quotes all the Rishonim, and he says in the second paragraph, uh, the first paragraph, There's no halacha of a bracha. We shouldn't add to it. And, um, and he says that, uh, um, and, and he goes on in the second paragraph, a very interesting point. He says, He's asked actually at a wedding. That's the question he's dealing with. Not a party, but a wedding. And he says, so why did you say, well, there's a great crowd here. There's a huge amount of people. And they're even going to dive in Mariv, maybe. Right? So why did you say that that's sufficient ground? So he says, because you don't have a... This is not considered a base Knesset Kavur. This is, this is a minion by a cry that people happen to be here because it's a function. That's not enough that grants us the halacha of a shul, which would allow the, the, the hadlock in such a case. Similarly... Actually, it's quoted in the Hare Kelim in the name of Rav Soloveitchik, the following. Interestingly enough, he first suggests that the reason why it is that we, in fact, the Shofan Aruch Paskins, that we light Bein Mincha Lamariv, why do we light later? Meaning, why isn't that we light after Mariv, like we do at home? Why is that? He says the reason we light Bein Mincha Lamariv is because while there is still Mariv, there's still a Din Tzibur 
over here in this shul that therefore we're allowed to alight in the presence of. That's the only thing which allows us to light. Similarly, that's what it says on Motzei Shabbos, usually at home, what's that order we do it? The order is we do Havdalah and then Nalakos Ner Chanukah. Why is it that in Shul we know the Mindag is flipped? We do Alakos Ner Chanukah and then Havdalah in the Shul? Why do we do light the Chanukah candles before we do Havdalah in a Shul? He says because at the point of Havdalah, the notion of community is dispersing. Meaning, this is what's happening now is, is this is the end of the service. There's not going to be a sense of community anymore in the Shul. So you don't have the right to light in the Shul. Says 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 um, says Rav Soloveitchik, quoting his father Rav Moshe Soloveitchik, and then you look in his own words. Um, this is the top of page five, and there's the brackets on the left column at the very end. He says, "We might say Advarim Hayamayi Rabenu, Keneged Elo Anagim Lahadlik Ner Chanukah B'Mkomes Shemis Asvim Barabim, Kegoyin B'Chasuna V'Shara Sifla Shel Staka, Dein Chiyav Pirsumenisa Ela Kashiyesh Lohem Toras Tzibur Litzvila V'Kadaimer." He feels that the, that the, that the, the limitation of of, um, of a Hanukkah in public is only when you have the definition of it being a shul or a congregation along the same lines. And this is, this is the predominant view of most of the poskim. If you go through most of the poskim, you go through uh, Rav Shlomo Zaman is quoted as saying such, Rav Yashiv, most of the poskim are, um, um, are of such a nature. However, you will notice that that's not the only line which is taken. And um, in the other direction, you will notice that, uh, God willing, this weekend in Cedarhurst Park, We'll be doing a Chanukah lighting with a Chabad. And in many of these, these public lightings, there is a bracha. Right there, there, there are many public lightings, which seems to be the, the direction that Chabad is taking. So um, there happens to be a fascinating shiva. Now, I don't know. This is, the, this is a shiva from the Oz Nidbru, Rabbi Binyamin Zilba, who's really on the other side of the fence on this. And they say, I, I, they say that this shiva was actually written to none other than Lubavitcher Rebbe. But it's hard to know because unlike the rest of his chivas, they actually write the question at the beginning and then his response to it. So you see who wrote him the question. This one, the, ch- the question has been removed. And even when he responds to him, I just bought the, the, the introductory line, you know, the name has been removed. But listen to the way he talks to the person. He says, Yushpa Shifas Brochos Minashomayim. Well, Lorena Kvoid, I'm not sure the exact uh, acronym over here, Hagoin. So, and so he says, he says that, he says that um, you, Hashem should grant you great blessings, whoever this person is. Tomol Niskavdonel Igeres Koides, Igeres Koides, Chuvois, Binine Chanukah, Vainu Zokuk Ledidi. He says, I received your, your holy letter. He says, but uh, how could I even answer it? Many, he says, he says, You see, you know, like, so it, 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 whoever he's writing to, he obviously has an extreme amount of respect for. Okay, so, um, not clear. So I've heard people say this is to the Lubavitch Rebbe. And um, he goes through and he, he really champions the Rivash. And in his championing of the Rivash, he says the following. At the very end of the Shiva, in this Shiva is where he talks about Katanim and he talks about very big menorahs and how big can your biggest menorah be meaning if it's above 20 amas and things like that. That's the discussion. And then he says, He says, the reason, he says Some people are concerned about lighting in public. He says, that's because they've already lit in their shuls. Shall call Echad. He's seeing as you're a member of a shul, your shul's got you publicly covered, right? Even if you're not there. 
שיש לו שייכוס לבסק דסס, ודאי זה באור הרצועה. אבל בנידון שמדליקין בכיכר העיר, If you're lighting in the center of a city, which is the question he was asked, and you're lighting on behalf of the youth who are there in this public, let's say, mall or gathering, and it is very clear that many of them are not members of any particular organization. It's better than a shul. Because it's really outside in public. He says, even though you see other flows in the Rishonim that were suggested as we saw, he believes the main predominant view is because of Pirsum and he trumps that, therefore that trumps everything else and he's able to say there's even a bracha in these public gatherings. Unbelievable. Moreover, the Yalkut Yosef, Rav Avadia is quoting Rav Avadia, when it, this is in source 13. When it comes to these parties which are on the nights of Hanukkah, that when we try to bring Israel through these Hanukkah parties closer to Hashem, they certainly have the grounds to rely upon. Since you have a huge gathering of people, it's no worse than a shul shemadlikim boy neiros chana kolip yirusaminisa. And he adds an extra note. It's a good idea, if you're in such a place, to daven in the same place. Because what are you doing? What's he saying? Essentially, you're recreating the shul at the very least. Now remember, this is Rav Sternbach and, and the, um, was particularly against this point. Rosh Sternbach was actually saying that the fact that you gather is called Ba'akrai. You haven't created anything. But nonetheless, says, says Rav Avadia, no. That's, that's sufficient grounds to create the community necessary to almost um, model what the Shulchan Aruch was saying. And he quotes the Yalkut Yosef and the Mu'adim, and he says, and listen to the, um, he says, it's lovely, if you can't have in Mariv. It's a good idea, and he quotes the Sefer Mishnah Siyakov, Oz Nidbru, which we just saw, and uh, in a number of places we saw the first one, Vushut Beis Mordechai, Vushut Yad Nasan, Chalik Beis, Vushut Mishnah Sochir, Kadarka Bakodesh, who quotes everybody who's ever said this, uh, many of whom we've never, um, we never learnt, unfortunately, inside, Zil Basatayma Shul Mishum Pir Sominissa, Bimishum Shiesh Asara. And therefore, on, in this line of postkim, and certainly as it is adopted in many places, there is grounds there are certainly grounds to say it, even with a bracha, based on this Oz Nidbaru and the Rav Vadya Yosef. Um, um, if, one is, if one would be in the situation where one has to open the Pandora's box themselves and ask the question, it would really depend, I, I would assume, what community you're part of and therefore what the leadership of that community is, um, um, takes. The predominant view is not to, but there certainly is a, a, a large section of the population who, uh, who do, and it is an incredibly pure sum. If you want to take a look, there's a picture of the National Menorah on the bottom of the page 6 over here, just to get a sense. The National Menorah is, <laughs> is outside of the White That's the White House, below it on the bottom right corner, just to get a sense. This is not the Menorah in the White House. This is the Menorah outside the White House. And, you know, I, I have to say that we are blessed to be in a generation where these are our discussions. We are blessed to be in a generation where we can be asking these questions in the first place. And rather than as an issue of something which separates us, I think this is an incredible testament. Just to go back to 1938, there was a, there, there was a story of a, of a family 
Um, the Geyer family, who are running in December 1938 and managed to get American visas, and they're crossing over the border eastwards from Germany, going east into, uh, into Europe after Kristallnacht. And they were traveling on a train. It was the eighth night of Hanukkah. And as they're traveling, they have, their, they have their visas, they have their passports, they're leaving everything behind to their two children, Judah and Regina, and they're, uh, and they're on the train. And as they come, they're coming near the checkpoint, and it's coming time, it's, it's just become dark. And the father, Judah, feels very, very strongly that he needs to light a menorah. But at the same time, they're still in German territory, and his wife is saying, you know, Judy, there'll be many other times you can light menorah in your life. Just wait, just wait. And he's, he's internally conflicted uh, as to what, what he should be doing. And um, the train stops, and there's a, uh, it's at the checkpoint, the Gestapo are coming to check through the trains. And as they're at the, at, the, at the station, all the lights go out in the entire station. And before anybody can do it, his, his visceral, natural reaction is he immediately stands up on his seat and sticks his hand into his case and pulls out a small package and puts the candle, the candle holder along the window and lights the eight candles and puts the shamash next to him. And this is the only light in the entire train station um, of hundreds of people in their second-class apartment in the uh, compartment in the train. And immediately seeing the lights, so all the guards start running. And everybody's telling him, put them out, put them out, put them out. And he doesn't put them out. He, he holds on to them, and the Gestapo enter the coach, and, they, and, and, and they're actually very happy because they think that this person brought travel lights to be able to help him. So they all start checking Uri's passports to the light of the candles. And they, they, they finish checking everybody else's area's passports, and they move on, and they thank him very much for being so thoughtful, and they move on. And the, he, he waits and sits there with the family until the candles burn to the last drop, and as the candles go out, the lights in the station go back on. And, uh, you know, we, we have to think, we have to think, you know, Baruch Hashem, there are people who made tremendous sacrifices in previous generations for Chofaneris Chanukah. When you read about Natin Sharansky, and he is having to etch out on the wall in his cell the picture of a Chanukian drawing a flame on each of those, those etched out drawings. There was, there was a time where it was very, very hard, and it still are in certain places in the world. We are very blessed that Baruch Hashem, the question is, is can we say a bracha? on these public gatherings, and our 30 feet high menorahs in front of the White House, is there a din of bracha on it? Hashem, we should be able to be live, in, uh, live and continue to live in a place where we're able to bring out our miracles into the public.